Hi, I'm Elaine Ellingham, CEO, President and Director of Online Gold Mines Limited. We're a TSX Venture Limited listed company. Um, we have 100% interest in the uh, Online Gold Project in Guyana. It's a past producing uh, gold property, which is always a, a good thing. And uh, we've been exploring on the property for about two and a half years. So it produced 3.8 million ounces. And we've actually, in two and a half years, uh, discovered and put into 43101 another 3.6 million ounces. So uh, we're, we're quite pumped about this project. And obviously, as a brownfields project, uh, it has a lot of advantages, road access, you know, the old metallurgy. And, and we're really looking at extensions of the known uh, types of mineralization. So we believe that this is something that can be a fast track to uh, mine again. Elaine, love to see you and uh, and meet you. We've not spoken before or heard um, about this story before. So um, we'd love to kick off, just uh, find out a little bit about you. What's your background? What have you done in the past? Yeah, so I, I started as an exploration geologist uh, more than 30 years ago. Um, immediately loved the business. I think exploration is uh, the best business in the world. Um, but like lots of people in exploration, uh, it's a highly cyclical business. And so, you know, in the downturns, I worked for major mining companies. Uh, I worked for Real Algon, a big copper company. Uh, and in the downturns, I'd work for the juniors, which is really uh, the exciting stuff. And, and that's where I, I believe a lot of the discoveries are made. Um, another downturn, I went and worked for the Toronto Stock Exchange. It ended up being eight years. And uh, that, again, had been a little bit of a dream of mine. I always liked the markets. And so, uh, you know, you set, a, you set a goal, a target, and then you end up uh, getting there. And it didn't disappoint. It was absolutely fascinating. And so I was the national leader of mining there and uh, also did the international business development. So that was uh, pretty exciting meeting mining companies from around the world. Um, so when I left the exchange, I, I was a consultant for about 15 years, uh, mostly focused on international companies and uh, and uh, started a couple companies. And I've sat on about 15 corporate boards, um, half of those since they were private. So kind of, uh, you know, working these companies as they go public. Um, I guess one of my uh, more interesting uh, gigs was I, I joined the board of Richmond Mines uh, in 20, 2011. Um, and it was kind of a, a sad small mine up in the Wawa belt and no one ever loved the Wawa belt. Um, and we almost shut that mine down, uh, the Island Gold Mine in 2011, 2012. Um, drilled beneath it, found, uh, you know, more mineralization and that's today, you know, it, Richmond was taken over by Alamos and that's a 5 million ounce deposit today, uh, grading over 10 grams per ton. So very fortunately, I'm on the board of Alamos. So I've been able to kind of follow that uh, discovery through to a spectacular mine. And we're putting a billion dollar shaft down on that project today. So uh, yeah, I, I mean, it's uh, the discoveries to me and uh, watching a project develop is just amazing. So. Well, okay. Well, as, as a, I think a poster boy uh, in the industry for sure. I'm. I, tell me about the asset though. So obviously, it has. It's a former producer. It has produced in the past. Who, who owned it? Um, how did you pick it up? Great. Yeah. So um, the OMI project, when it was a mine, it was in uh, in Cambior. If you remember, that was a, a large, uh, well-known Quebec company. Uh, they brought it into production around 1993, produced it produced for about 12 years. So um, this was a large mine. So it, it produced over 300,000 ounces a year. I think the, the peak year was uh, 2002. 
They produce 356,000 ounces. That, that's a big point. Um, one of the biggest challenges was the gold price almost through that entire time was under $400 an ounce. So, I mean, it's the worst nightmare for a company. You bring your mine into production, the gold price sags. Uh, very fortunately, it was fairly robust, large-scale mine, and they were profitable the whole time. But it, it so basically, uh, when they were uh, when they were towards the end of production, they had acquired the Roosevelt property, which a lot of people would know, which is uh, about 200 miles east of uh, of Omai in Suriname. And so the company got into a little bit of uh, credit crunch and uh, basically they just decided to move the, the 20,000 ton per day mill from Omai over to Roosevelt. So that was kind of the death knell for Omai. Its destiny was to be shut down. So the good thing for us is that means uh, between the low gold price and the fact that they, they took some of the, the mill and other uh, assets over to the other property means that they didn't do expiration. So for us, that's awesome. You know, a mine that was shut down and, and it's not like they, they drilled and looked for extensions. So, so basically after that, I am gold took over Cambior and, uh, I am gold decided to relinquish the property to the government. So again, that is good for us because it means I am gold did all the reclamation. It went back into the hands of the government. And so, uh, then a, a group of people, uh, brought this, uh, acquired the property from the government. It is actually unique in Guyana because a lot of, uh, a lot of properties are mosaics of small properties owned by locals, whereas this property was held as a, as a, uh, in its entirety by the government. And so this property was acquired by the government, by this company. Uh, it was an RTO in 2020. And uh, I joined the board in March of 2021 and took over as CEO a couple months later. So, um, yeah, so, I mean, it is a good thing because the project came from the government had been reclaimed, so we're like fully indemnified from any historical small or large scale mining. So, uh, so yeah, so we hold a hundred percent interest in that. Right. Okay. So you you, you picked up a form producer money. We we talking about Guild Creek and 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 when not. Um, what's the plan? Because I, I'm always intrigued by how companies um, lay out their their plan. You know, you were sitting a sort of sub thirty million market cap company. I'm not quite sure what your cash position is, but you've got to be efficient. So. Um, how, how, do, how do you see this, you know, panning out? So I, I guess one thing is uh, the Guyanese government is extremely uh, interested in seeing mines come into production. So you're, you almost feel like you're working a little bit in a partnership with them. Um, I think some of the issues, like when OI was in production, it employed a thousand people. And this is in a country that only has 800,000 people. So uh, it was literally the heyday of economic prosperity for Guyana. So so there is a, a strong desire to fast track this. And uh, very fortunately, you know, when we started drilling, um, we drilled a long strike, you know, below and along the flanks of a past producing uh, pit. And, and the mineralization just continues. So we have like two and a half kilometers of mineralization now. And, and we know it extends beyond that. So um, we we basically were um, keeping our eye on the prize, which is our belief that this will be a mine again, and it will be a large-scale mine again. Um, so we, we are continuing our exploration very aggressively. As I said, we've in the two and a half years, we've got up to the 3.6 million ounces. Uh, we believe that that can be expanded significantly. At the same time, we've started some engineering studies. 
because we have, you know, we have existing tailings uh, facilities. So we have to look at those, like, can those be reused? Can we expand them? How much capacity do they have? Uh, we know the metallurgy. So, so we can fast track some things like that. So unlike other companies, we are really exploration because we believe we can expand our resource, but we're also doing some things that, that sort of are the path towards uh, a future mine. Does that sort of explain it? It's, uh, you know, yeah, we, it, yeah. It, it, it does. Um, and it's it touching upon a few things which I'm, we're seeing in the market th this year where it's been tough three years for, for gold companies, right? And um, people are saying, well, it used to be a case of we'll keep drilling and we'll work out how big this thing gets. Now it's a case of access to capital is tougher. Uh, it's more expensive when you do get it. Um, part of the share price is down or, you know, people coming up with alternative financing, it, it's expensive. So the ability to get to near-term cash flow seems to model, which the Australians have, have you know, you know, run with for, for, for decades, but it's not necessarily a Canadian um, company thing. So are you, are you seeing that? Is that partly why you're looking at the conversations around, you know, tailings or maybe trying to work out how you kind of drive to earlier revenue flow? Um, no, not really, because I, I believe this will be, again, a large-scale mine. And so when you're building large-scale mines, as I said, when it was in production before, it averaged 300,000 ounces per year. I don't know if we'll be at that level, but we'll certainly be over 100,000 ounces per year. So uh, you you have to optimize that. I think what you're talking about, that model of um, sort of bringing smaller scale or incremental production online and bootstrapping yourself up, I think that model was tried a few times in the past. And I think it, it, it has failed, and that's why the Canadian market doesn't really embrace it. And what tends to happen is... By in the timeline, by the time you start doing your incremental, uh, the markets pick up because it's a cyclical business. And then suddenly, what you did was inappropriate for the the market by the time you get there. Right. Okay. We'll be interesting to see how the, the companies that are trying it see how they get get along um, next year. Then, right. and I hope you're right about the cyclical nature of of, of the gold market. Obviously, gold price doing its thing for sure. Um, but the, the, the cost of the, the, the CapEx component is still high off the back of inflation. Just to address that a bit, though, Matthew, um, I mean, I was down at Beaver Creek, and a lot of the conversation was, yes, it was tough to raise money, but but part of the issue was um, that the, 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 the price, the valuations that our companies are getting, is it's not reflective of our assets. And some of my large shareholders, they've told me, Elaine, don't look at the market. It's not reflective of your asset. So we've been hesitating to raise capital at at very dilutive prices. So that's that's been a lot of the incentive of why I've been very conservative of, you know, I have a Scottish heritage, what can I say? But, you know, still make the dollars go a long way. Um, so, I mean, it. I didn't, we didn't want to finance at those prices because we did not believe, we know what the asset is and we did not believe that that was reflective. So basically you take your money and you, uh, you know, what I say is uh, high impact, low cost and really focus on that. And that's what we've done. And if you look at the drilling we've done, um, the last, uh, every hole we've announced the last six years, six months has, has hit it out of the park. They've all been very significant for our deposit and for our advancement. Um, and that's again low cost, high impact. The way we've been operating. Well, tell me, tell me a little bit more about that because you're going to if you if you're trying to get that do that dance as it were to get that balance right between, you know, not ra raising 
dilutive capital. And you know, certainly not at, at these levels because I think yourself, many CEOs will claim they're, they're undervalued. And, and I think it's largely true in the market at the moment is how do you decide how you allocate that capital? I, I see what you mean about this sort of high impact drilling. You're sort of, you're talking about, you know, you know, five to nine grams over, you know, reasonable intervals there, which is obviously very different from the, the, um, the in, in, measured and indicated, which is, you know, you know, 1.4, you know, 1.7, 1.8 level. So how are you going about targeting your drilling and your modeling for, for the drilling? That's a good question. I mean, I guess the other advantage of on a, being on a Brownfields project is uh, someone uh, was kind enough to make sure that all of the data was aggregated and, and uh, uh, compiled. Uh, and so, in fact, we inherited a, a massive database of, of things that goes back to even the 1950s. A, a very famous company, Anaconda, was down working on this property and put a few little shafts down in there. I have the drill logs, the original written drill logs from the 1950s. So we, I mean, the first step we did when we hit this project was basically uh, put it all into a standardized modern GIS database system. So um, I would say that we've been able to be as effective as we can because um, we, and and with, with respect to the historical mining, we actually have all the blast hole data from the pit. It's like 1.2 million data point. So so we have modeled all that. So I would say between that and our work, what you do in a lower price, a uh, lower, uh, you know, a less uh, uh, environment where you can raise a lot of funds is you, you, you model and you think a little harder and you use people that are veterans in the business. And so, I mean, that's, uh, you know, we, if you have lots of money, you just put your four or five, 10 drills out there and you start drilling. If you have less money, you make sure you put those drill holes in the right place that have high impact on your resource. And that's what we've been doing. And, and that's what a lot of the good companies have been doing. Uh, the junior companies, you'll see they're still getting good results, but they're spending a lot less money. And it's because they're they're really tapping into data systems. And, and is it a case of, you know, not biding your time per, per se, but it, it's a case of, you know, putting enough news out there to make people feel that you're, you're advancing, but at the same time, not blowing through the capital structure. So you're sitting around, you know, wondering, well, who's going to give me some money next? So, in, how many, so how many drills are turning for you at the moment? So we had three drills on the property, um, but we're doing a, an updated resource right now. So we usually stop drilling, assemble your your assays and all your data, hand it over to your independent QP. And that's where we are right now. So we don't have any, uh, the drills are on the property, but we, we stopped drilling to do that resource. Right. Okay. And and that, that resource obviously will will be bringing some of these, um, well, I assume, I assume they'll be bringing some of this latest uh, these latest assays that you've been putting out up until December. Will, will it? Yeah. 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 That basically yeah, okay. incorporates those. Um, but the purpose, so we've done two 43101 resources uh, two years in a row. Um, but this one is more focused uh, at, like, we, we're also starting a PEA. And so the PEA will, you know, like all PEAs, you really rely on the performance and, and what it looks like in the first two or three years. Because the first two or three years of a mine, uh, you know, that's that's when you want it as robust as possible. That's when, you know, you don't want anything to go off the rails. So a lot of the drilling we did this year was actually focused at where we we believe mining would start, which is at the west end of our Winnot deposit. And why we would start there is that is uh, outside of the past producing pit. 
And so our drilling really focused there. And uh, right from the first hole we put in, it was it was good surprises. Our, our first hole in the West End there um, this year, um, there was a visible gold in 38 places across 300 meters. You know, we hit 4.07 over 31 meters, and and there were two intervals of 10 meters of over two grams. So these are fantastic results. So um, the purpose was not of this program was not so much to prove the expansion of that two and a half kilometer deposit. It was really to focus down on where we're going to start mining first to support our PEA, our pre preliminary economic assessment. Right. Okay. And the language you're using is one of confidence in the sense there's a lot of historic data. There's a lot there's a lot known about the you know, mineralogy, the metallurgy to a degree. And I know you're going to do some advanced engineering studies um, to kind of back up on the, you know, tailings and metallurgy. I think you mentioned so far on water, I imagine. Everything that you need to say. Will it be a case of the PEA will be good enough to get you into position to mine or will there be further economic studies required? Well, there'll be more and, and we'll have to do additional drilling for sure. Um, okay. But I think, you know, one of the reasons to do it is there's a couple reasons to do it. One is, is to just uh, prove to the market that there is, um, you know, it, it gives kind of a base economics. We believe that deposit can be expanded by at least 50% or more. So in that sense, it's not going to be the ultimate economic. It's not going to be what's going to be the pre-fees. We believe that deposit will be a lot larger. But it will also, and remember, this is a past-producing mine. So it'll be able to answer the questions people have, like, can you reuse the tailings, existing tailings? You know, what's it going to cost to expand them? How much do you have to expand them? Um, just, you know, again, uh, putting a pin in the metallurgy. We know that we're actually, our, our deposits are extensions of the past mine deposits. So therefore, it will be the same uh, metallurgy. You know, we're going a little deeper on some of them. So you, you will, we will have to do some metallurgical test work. But, but that'll answer some of the questions for, for investors that we can't really definitively answer to them now. So, for example, like when this was in production, um, you know, it was 93 to 2005. Um, recovery, it was a conventional carbon pulp mill. Um, basically, the recoveries were 92, 93%. Um, from that, uh, included in that, it was about 32% uh, was gravity circuit. So the question is, you know, since then in the last 20 years, you know, is it, are there new technologies? You know, mills are pretty conventional still, but probably the gravity circuits can improve. And so it, it'll just allow us to answer some questions to investors uh, that I think we need to have as technical study behind us. Does that make some sense? Yeah, yeah, it, it, it does. I'm, I'm just sort of, I guess one of the kind of questions that you're right. It, we, okay, the market is cyclical, but in, at, at, at the moment, when you kind of sort of risk off, and you got some nervy um, investors looking as to where they should redeploy their, you know, after taxes, where they should redeploy their their capital into more more certain projects. So for you, I think you're talking about doing. I think you talked previously about doing twenty thousand meters of drilling, different types of drilling to give you certainty around different. Um, parts of, of the pit and and obviously answer the questions that the PEA is going to need. But um, where's to do that, it's going to require money. And I guess the question people will be asking mostly is like, how long is the process that you're laying out going to take? And, you know, when do we get to, when would there be a revenue opportunity or is your exit different? Is your exit 
we will then hand it over to someone who then goes and builds this thing out. Um, I, there was a lot of questions in there, Matthew. Yeah. <laughs> what's the future look like? Crazy. What's the future look like for you? Okay. That's where I'm going. Yeah. So, um, I, I mean, I guess the good thing about uh, about these types of companies is the goals are the same. So, whether or not this company transforms into a, a company that you know builds a mine, we we hire management that have uh, you know the the skills to build a mine and and operate a mine, which are not my sweet spot. Uh, I've obviously been involved with mining operations, but that's not my, uh, we would have to expand the management team. I think the more likely destination, destiny for this project um, would be, you know, we're already at 3.6 million ounces. Uh, we have road access. We have, you know, you, you know that historically there was an economic deposit there uh, at a $400 gold price. Um, so, I, I mean, I, every mid-tier large company is looking to expand. And as we all know, uh, organic expansion only takes you so far. And, and, and the larger the company, the more difficult it is. So most mid-tier companies are constantly trolling, looking for, you know, three, five million ounce projects. I think in because most companies would be making a first entry into Guyana, that you have to have probably four or five million ounces and, and a clear path to production to attract that type of uh, an acquirer. Um, it only makes sense because they're they're entering a new uh, jurisdiction that they don't have familiarity with. The prize has to be uh, appropriate. So I, I think that um, we'll continue to kind of do, to expand the resources at the same time as we nudge the engineering forward. So the PEA is the first stage. I guess the other thing is, um, you know, we would like to apply for a mining license in Guyana and that, that that PEA and some of the studies we do we're doing, we believe will will take us in that direction. And in, in exploration and mining, it's all about de-risking a project. And so advancing towards a mining license will de-risk our project. Um, so right. Okay. Yeah. So there's a there's a okay, there's a there's a the I guess the standard process will 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 be followed. Um the bit of the question there, which was around money to do this drill program, various drilling programs, um, are you going to be going back to market um, for that anytime soon? Um, probably. We've been, I, we did our last financing last December. Um, I have sufficient funds to finish the, PE, the, the uh, resource that's underway and then the PEA in quick succession. So we actually are kind of running parallel. We're doing the PEA as well, but um, obviously the base of that PEA will be this, this updated resource that we're doing. So, uh, we expect that PEA probably mid February, somewhere around there. Okay. So we have sufficient funds to get, get that there. And we believe that that should, uh, again, give our, our valuation a bit of a boost. Um, we, we have, a a fairly strong, um, set of, uh, shareholders, many of them who, um, like they believe in the fact that this was a past producing mine. There's resources. There's there's a, a road to it. There's there's so many things that are in its favor that there is a lot of those people believe that this will be a mine again, and so um, they are quite willing to put money in. It's just uh, as I said, like I'm not in a unique position. There's other good companies out there with great assets that hesitated to finance because the it was too dilutive. 
And so we will, you know, I'm actually extremely optimistic. You haven't asked me about the gold. You, you probably follow the gold price, but I mean, the, the gold price has been over $2,000 for a while now and uh, really appears to have a, a tangible like base to it. Um, you know, all the signs for the economy for the new year uh, suggest that it's, it's more of a risk on. Um, and further to that, you know, a lot of the news is focusing on the fact that the resource sector is, is underloved. And, um, you know, and undervalued. So I, I do believe that 2024, I mean, uh, is going to be a very, very strong year for the for, for mining for junior equities as well. Um, you know, I always say uh, hope is not a strategy, uh, but, you know, we do seem to be extremely well positioned, you know, and. You know, I think it went from the feds were talking about, you know, the, the forecasts are for two interest rate uh, declines. And I think that just went to four. You know, if the interest rates come down and, you know, it's a slowing economy, uh, everything's sort of voting well for, for gold having a good 2024. Yeah, and, and I'd agree with that one. We, we, we violently agree with that one. Um, just, just if you don't mind, just finish off, lend us your thoughts on the political posturing by the neighbors next door in Venezuela. I, I think right. most people discount it as political posturing. What's What's been your view? You, you're closer to it than I am. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, I, I guess it, I even when I uh, first went to Guyana, I mean, I'd heard about it. And uh, I, I think it is definitely, and in, it's an internal uh, kind of blustering uh, by Maduro to his electorate. Uh, that is the fundamental basis of this whole thing. And, uh, you know, just for context, uh, yeah, Venezuela has uh, claimed that they have the rights to two-thirds of Guyana. And this is not new. 125 years ago, uh, the International Court of Justice in France uh, did, a, did a trial and said, yes, it's, it belongs to Guyana. And so this issue has kind of gone to sleep. Uh, over decades and decades and decades, and, and occasionally it rears its head. But but right now there is an election in Venezuela in October of next year, and Maduro is uh, he's lost a lot of popularity. Um, there is seven seven million people have emigrated from Venezuela. We've always heard we've all heard about that. Uh, the economy is dismal, um, you know. So it, it's like a typical uh, national pulling the national. Uh, sentiment together and let's start a war and all those sorts of things. So it got diffused fairly quickly. And um, there are, we could do a whole separate session on this because it is a fascinating thing. But um, you can see that there's subtitles in here. You know, for example, you know, Biden has been reducing, has, has been removing some of the sanctions. And that is to provide, uh, that's against some incentive for Maduro to run a fair election in, in Venezuela next year. Um, uh, the Venezuelans just really released some prisoners uh, that Biden had negotiated for. So there's all sorts of subtitles. But bottom line for Guyana is, uh, you know, what, what stimulated this was the spectacular oil discoveries. And um, like just going, yes, you talk about Venezuela and you have to talk about Guyana. So I, I mean, it was uh, it had been coined the poorest country in South America until like 10 years ago or and in 2015, when they discovered offshore oil, Exxon and a consortium started working. And now they're ranked the 10th largest uh, accessible oil uh, resources, reserves in the world. 
Uh, their economy is the fastest growing. The GDP growth in 2022 was 62%. Uh, 2023, forecasting for probably 100%. So um, now it's starting from a low level, but, but it is the fastest growing economy in the world. And this is, of course, why Venezuela is now looking at the oil fields of Guyana saying, hold on, you know, 100 years ago, you kind of put up her hand and said, those are ours. So it, it's not as simple as that, but um, I'm not concerned. Um, you know, it has the both the Americans and the Brazilians have kind of uh, stepped up and said, you know, hey, you know, we'll, we'll we want to be in there. So I think it's like being the tiny baby brother. Remember, this is a this is a country with an eight hundred thousand person population, tiny, tiny country, uh, English speaking, which is interesting and easy for me. Um, but at the end of the day, um, it's a baby brother when you've got uh, two big brothers, uh, the U.S. and Brazil, saying, "Hey, we're there to help you." Yep, I, 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 that's actually quite quite a uh, detailed answer. I've got a little bit more insight than I've than I've had because we, we we've spoken no, we've, we've spoken to a few other gold um, producer uh, gold uh, developers in in country, and um, I think they would they would echo your your um, sentiment and your, your knowledge there. Look, yeah. Elaine, I appreciate you joining us today. Uh, Give us that overview. It would be lovely to kind of maybe get into the weeds with you on a bit more of a technical um, basis to sort of see how you're viewing this and how, how this um, project continues to evolve. Um, so I appreciate your time today. Do stay in touch, please. Will do. Thanks for your time, Matthew.